Welcome back to the Foreign Policy Profcast. My name is Mark Melton, and I am the managing editor of Providence. And today I am speaking with Rebecca Heinrichs of the Hudson Institute. I'm sure many of the listeners already know about Rebecca and her writings and her you know, talks that she's given on Fox News and elsewhere and also on the Profcast back in the day. So first off, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me on. Happy to do this. And today we're going to be talking about Afghanistan, which is very much in the news. And for listeners, because events are changing constantly, we are recording this on August 30th. There's a lot of things that we can talk about with this event and where to get, you know, where we could get started on it. But my first question is to you, like, what went wrong in Afghanistan? Okay, so um, we could talk about that the whole for hours and hours. But um, there was a point in roughly 2002-2003, just just to remind everybody, we had not found um, Osama bin Laden at that point. He had gone into, we actually knew knew that he had left Afghanistan and went into Pakistan. Um, And a series of decisions uh, were made by political leaders not to pursue him um, when we when we saw him go there, one of the the best um, people to read on this is Tom Jocelyn over at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, who tracked this very carefully. That was the first major blunder. Um, after that, you know the 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 American people still expected the reason we were there was to defeat those who attacked the United States on September 11th. That's Al Qaeda and those who harbored them. That's the Taliban as well. And that we were going to um, destroy the the network of terrorists who were there, mainly Al Qaeda. But once Osama bin Laden escaped, and um, and his deputies, you, you know, we were now what? That was kind of the, the the point at which our political leaders had to make a decision. This is all well documented, so this is not sort of a, something that we've looked back at hindsight and said. And then we began nation building. Um, it is, in fact, the decision. The political leaders made that decision that that the the scope of the mission would change so that we would, in fact, um, stay in Afghanistan and then and shift from strictly a highly lethal counterterrorism operation to a much larger, more open ended mission, which was to establish a, a, a democratic government there and to get these um, essentially civil institutions set up so that they could eventually govern themselves. You know, that, 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 was a, that was the decision that was made. And even at the time, it was, I mean, it was very highly controversial inside the Bush administration. There were those who, who sort of forewarned, don't do this. This is, this is setting ourselves up for disaster, but they went ahead and pursued that. And that's at that point, whenever you had a much larger sort of open-ended mission there that involved, um, you know, tr- trying to get a government set up for the Afghan people um, as we continued to pursue uh, terrorists in the region. Again, with that problem that we make, we, we, we set up for ourselves with not pursuing um, those senior leaders who had escaped into Pakistan. And I'm assuming we didn't do that because we didn't want to, we were technically supposed to be partners with Pakistan, but we didn't want to get into an open fight with them. Is that the justification? Yeah. So that, so the, the political decision that sort of the geopolitical decision there was Pakistan's a nuclear state. We did not want to have an open 
conflict with Pakistan, the Pakistan government was willing to harbor these terrorists. And so it was a, it was a decision um, to, to not openly have hostility with the Pakistan government. Now we've seen 20 years later, what a serious blunder that was because you, you're not actually going to come to a conclusive military operation without actually getting those senior leaders. And by the way, Osama bin Laden continued to carry out um, orders for international terrorism for the decade that he, after 9-11, until the uh, President Obama, I think his greatest decision um, that, he, that he made as president was to, to finally authorize the kill, the operation to go in and get, get Osama bin Laden finally in Pakistan. Um, but, but he continued to carry out international terrorism operations for that decade since 9-11 until, until he was caught. So my qu second question here for you, because I know your time is short, but we, uh, so the Biden administration has pulled our troops out, and many people are saying this is the end of the forever war in Afghanistan. But I also see that the administration is preparing for over-the-horizon operations into Afghanistan. They wanted to uh, put troops apparently near the border um, in one of the other Central Asian countries there, but that Russia basically said, no, that's not going to happen. And there are other problems with those countries, whether or not they would allow that. So right now, my understanding is we're operating out of Qatar um, to do these operations. And the administration earlier this year said that these types of operations could help the Kabul government stand. And of course, that turned out not to be true. And then also there's people talking about how that the money that would have been spent in Afghanistan would need to be spent now on U.S. intelligence and counterterrorism operations. And so when I look at this, I'm not so sure that the forever war, so to speak, if you want to call it that, is over. But like, do you think this ends it or does it change it or what's going on next? Will the fight continue in Afghanistan? Yeah. So this is this is how I, I you know, this this subject doesn't um, people tend to not have the patience to listen to nuance. and so. Um, that's part of the problem here. I was actually one of those people who was very sympathetic to um, the American people who were sort of demanding this end to Afghanistan. It sort of became dubbed as the forever war. Um, sympathetic to that. I think our political leaders failed them. Our senior military leaders failed them by saying there is another option here, which is to narrow down our scope of mission back to what it was supposed to be in the beginning. Now here we are 20 years later. So what I mean by that is, you know, end a lot of what the more overly ambitious efforts that we were trying to do, you know, the, the, the surge in 2009, 2010 is what resulted in a lot of American casualties, a lot of large numbers of ground forces that were there, you know, to, to end that and do something like what we've been doing in other places um, like Syria. You have a, a very small presence. We have that. We have Bagram Air Base that we that has really been the epicenter of where we've been doing our counterterrorism operations. We do have an Afghan army now that was highly dependent on the United States. So since about 2014, 2015, the Afghan army was doing all of the ground operations. So they were the ones doing the high risk operations, taking on a lot of casualties and death. And the United States had a very minimal presence there that was doing the close air support, drone strikes, and giving the, 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 sort, the, the commands, the, oper, you know, the, the direction to Afghan forces. That model was actually working well 
now people say, what do you mean working well? And I mean, it prevented what we're witnessing today. So it, it, it gave a modicum of, of stability. It, it kept Afghanistan from becoming an ecosystem of terrorism operations, ISIS-K, ISIS, Al-Qaeda. Of course, Al-Qaeda has been integrated into the Taliban leadership. So they have not left Afghanistan. There's cells in Iran. Um, but, but what that did was it, it gave the United, we, we had Afghan security forces who were providing us with intelligence. We had a, a, an intelligence network there so we could continue to, kick, to, to strike cells. So that's what we were doing at the end, really right at the end of the Obama administration and then through the Trump administration. And then the Trump administration really had a disciplined small, oper small force presence operation that was, that was carrying that through. Once Joe Biden made the decision to pull that, and I think it's important that listeners understand how bad this, this was. In June, the Biden administration had promised NATO that we would come up with what you just described as the over-horizon plan, the over-horizon operations that we would continue doing counterterrorism even as we finished withdrawing in Afghanistan. And at that time, we, they had not made the decision back, uh, you know, May, May time, June, they had not announced that they were leaving Bagram. When they withdrew everything from Bagram, that all kind of collapsed. There was never an over-horizon plan before all this happened. And you can see, tell from the Biden administration officials sort of this, this constant problem that they've had for 20 years, always un, not understanding the nature of the Taliban. You know, Jen Psaki, the press secretary, Biden press secretary continues to say the Taliban's gonna have to make a decision about what role they wanna play in the international community. I mean, this is still a jihadist group. To, 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 to think that they are a, a moderate is like what the Biden administration always says, oh, maybe the new Iranian government could be moderate. I mean, these are, these are Islamist um, radicals. And so the Taliban is still a, a, a very, they have a very austere, violent view of Sharia law. And, and so that was going to continue if they took over all of Afghanistan. The reason that the Afghan government just you know, just sort of just fell in like it was just just crumbled like a wad of paper whenever the Taliban came in is because without the United States providing the morale, the encouragement, the direction, the training, they just they just couldn't they just didn't have the confidence or or the ability to to to, to do this. And so you saw Ghani, the president Ghani, who was a corrupt guy, but he left. The, the government collapsed. The military essentially just um, was def was defeated without even without even having a fight, and so the Taliban just took over. So that that you can just see how the the political leaders in the United States still have this very idealistic notion, or an erroneous notion of who the Taliban are, what these Afghan people were capable of doing, self-governance without the help and leadership of the United States. I mean, they messed this up all the way down to the last minute of our operations there. And um, so I'm not confident that, so again, just to, to put a fine point on this, NATO allies are furious. Um, they feel betrayed. They were betrayed. Um, they had to rush then and then get all of their people out. Um, they, when, when the Taliban totally took over, um, there's reporting now that, that indicates that the, the Biden administration essentially handed over uh, Kabul, the, the, the operations of 
of Kabul to the Taliban. Rather, they outsourced security to them because Joe Biden did not want the optics of sending in more troops to secure the whole city um, and Bagram in the in the airport. So again, you have you have politics driving very serious life and death security, you know, decisions and geopolitical decisions. And, and so it's just been a disaster compounded upon disaster when, again, there was, there was a military solution here, there was a political solution here, and um, our political leaders simply failed the American people, failed our troops, and we are in a much worse position just in terms of global war on terror now than what we were a month ago or even just a couple of weeks before this precipitous drawdown began. And for listeners to know, like Bagram Air Base is near Kabul. And uh, so Biden, I believe, last week said that he left Bagram because, quote, there was not much value added, end quote. And whereas his general said they did it because they were told to basically have fewer troops and they couldn't have enough troops there to secure both the base and the embassy. Is that correct? So, yeah, that's exactly right. So base, so they're sort of doing this. Biden is, is blaming his generals, but his generals. The, the generals are governed by the political leaders. So the generals have to give options and make decisions and give counsel based on the political parameters that the elected leaders give them. So when Joe Biden says, now again, this is before all of the disaster that all of our listeners are familiar with watching on TV, you know, whenever he made the decision to, to very quickly evacuate and get our troops out of there. And this is before our civs, before the the Afghan people who had been working with us before they left, before American citizens had left. And Joe Biden had made that decision to to get out of there. He gave the generals no option to increase troops. And so they had to look at the situation that if we're not going to increase troops, we can't secure both Bagram and the airport. The airport um, is closer to the embassy and we need to evacuate the embassy. And again, at the time, they didn't even think that the Taliban were going to take over the country this fast. Again, that goes back to a failure to interrogate your assumptions and make sure you understand the nature of these people, which they didn't. I don't even think they do now. I still think they think that the Taliban is, is at least trustworthy enough to finish this withdrawal. So they made that decision. So the generals looked at their options. I think they made a horrible decision by not choosing Bagram. Bagram is still only about 30 miles from the embassy. So it's not like it's 100 miles away. It's about 30 miles. You've got uh, helicopters that can transport people. I'm not at all suggesting that would have been easy. But now knowing what we know now, you can see that Bagram is this majorly fortified, sprawling base with a prison that was full of terrorists, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, or um, pardon me, ISIS. And, and so you want to make sure that that is secured, that those people do not get out before your people are out, of course. Now, again, I would not have totally precipitously withdrawn from Afghanistan. Totally. I would have kept Bagram and continued counterterrorism operations from there. But having made that decision, they chose the wrong thing. They chose this highly vulnerable airport. And then whenever the city, the, the country collapsed, they outsourced security to the Taliban. The Taliban come in and they release all the prisoners out of that prison. That's the, that is so gut-wrenching because it was only days later that we had this horrible attack at the airport that took the lives of American servicemen and women. 
Um, and of course, a couple hundred um, Afghans who were just trying to, to get out of that and, and didn't want to live under Taliban rule because they would have um, inevitably been killed there. So Joe Biden, you know, again, he's pointing to his generals. That's just so unfair. And his generals, I do think, made the wrong decision, but they also were limited in the options that they had. And so it, it really kneecapped what they could what they could do. So, yeah. And like last week was the dead. We had the deadliest day in I don't know how many years for our U.S. military there. So very, very tragic situation. I mean, it was the worst. This is the thing that is just again. I mean, I, I have never I've been. You know, I don't this has been a very, very just horrifying week, I think, um, not just in in casualties for the United States, but in a total collapse of American leadership. Um, and 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 I just you had the president of the United States saying that the reason that we were getting out of Afghanistan is because he didn't want a single more life lost in Afghanistan. But because of his politically motivated decisions. Um, which I think every time he talks about Afghanistan, he keeps talking about you know American lives lost. We you know we hadn't had an American life lost in 18 months, and the surge in Afghanistan was back in you know 2009 2010. We've been we've had a very minimal troop presence there, but because of I really do believe because of the these horrible political decisions, we we had the greatest loss of life since in a decade. Um, so it was these decisions, you know, just because you want out of a conflict does not mean you can just simply rip everybody out like that. There is a way to go about this and you still have to deal with reality as it is. And there are still people who want to kill Americans. And many of them were in that prison. Um, many of them are those who are now the ones providing security of the airport. I mean, remind just just to just, you know, Keep in mind, we were at war with the Taliban just a few weeks ago, and now these people are the ones who are letting individuals into the airport, and they and they let those they let those terrorists wearing suicide vests into the airport. Nobody should be shocked if we were to find out that this was on purpose that they that they deliberately allowed these people in. Um, and so, I almost feel like this is just this is a lesson in in the absolute deadly consequences of having idealistic views of fallen human nature of those who want to kill us of the 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 view that we don't need american leadership to protect the american people that you can somehow outsource it you know there are real life decisions that we have to make based on reality and and we're just seeing you know one decision after another that that leads to to horrible consequences. One last point on this, you know, there was an airstrike after the Americans were killed. Um, you know, Joe Biden said that we would go kill those who, who, who were responsible for this other than the individuals who killed themselves in the attack. There's no way we can know that. We do not have intelligence. We do not have an organized intelligence operation. We would have to rely on the Taliban at this point to tell us what to shoot. And my understanding was the drone strikes that we, that was carried out yesterday actually ended the lives of children, civilians, an American interpreter, one uh, media report said. And I mean, again, if we're relying on the Taliban, the Taliban would have an interest in giving us bad targets or a bad situation that would, they don't care about the dignity of human life, civilian life. And in fact, 
it would be in their interest from their perspective to make the United States do something horrific that would harm our reputation and our credibility on the international stage. So um, it's almost it's almost so horrible. You don't even want to watch the rest of how this is going to play out because you know the situation is still deteriorating. And, and you know, the United States is basically back to where we were pre 9-11 in terms of not having eyes and ears in Afghanistan and to be able to, again, to protect the, the American people here at home by destroying terrorism cells abroad. And I also wonder in that situation, if the Taliban knew that this person was going to do the attack, why didn't they pull the trigger on it? <laughs> That's exactly right. Or why did, if they knew that these terrorists, I mean, this is the other thing too, that I just you almost feel like you're just going to go crazy here with all of these things because you just feel like you're just being lied to on TV, but or you're being expected to believe things that are just just defy reason. But the Taliban released terrorists from the prison at Bagram. Why would we then turn around and trust the Taliban at all to provide credible intelligence to take out terrorists if they really shared a U.S. interest? in killing terrorists and making sure that terrorists don't take over the country, then they never would have done that. They would have kept those terrorists in prison. So we don't have an ally in the Taliban. Um, even from this sort of realism perspective, people keep saying we have to be realists about this. It's not realism to completely misunderstand who your enemies are. It's, it's actually naivety and, and, I, and it's, a, it's, an, it's a wrong view of what's going on. So we, we, are, we really are in this horrible situation and, and I just pray, I mean, it'll be a miracle. It'll be a miracle if we don't have any more casualties as we're, as we're trying to wrap up this, this final evacuation. And, and I have no confidence that we're going to have an over the horizon counterterrorism capability that is, is going to provide a, um, a reasonable defense of the American people. So my last couple of questions here, because I know you're short on time, and uh, what does the United States gain from leaving Afghanistan? And I'm particularly thinking about in relation to our competition with China and Russia. Does this benefit them or does this hurt them? So it's going to be a mixed bag. Um, I, I am continuing to keep an open mind as we watch events play and, and try to have an evidence-based, um, you know, analyses that, that goes along with this. I think the jury is still out on how this is going to impact our competition with China. Again, Bagram Air Base would have provided us the largest base in that region that had NATO troops there with the United States that was adjacent to China. So I think that that would have been an asset to the United States in our competition with China to have that base. Assuming that we no longer continue doing sort of the larger, more open-ended um, more dangerous kind of nation building that we were doing. But if we were just sort of at Bagram and conducting counterterrorism and relying on the Afghan National Security Forces. There is this notion, though, from China analysts who I think are very reasonable, very sharp people who say, no, this is going to be helpful because now China will have to deal with the terrorism problem in Afghanistan. Again, though, remember, those terrorists are still a threat to the United States. They hate us. So to, to sort of rely on the Chinese taking care of the global terrorism problem makes me very uncomfortable. But let you know, let's just say for argument now that China has to take care of the, the terrorism problem. Um, again, they don't care about American security. So 
Are we going to trust the Chinese to take care of um, terrorists that they might have intelligence are, are on their way to the United States? I have no confidence in that. Um, but, but the idea here is from these China um, analysts is that this will be better for us because we can um, dollar for dollar spend more money on deterring China. We can boost our um, hard power in the Indo-Pacific region. We can focus more of our diplomacy and energy um, on, on doing what we need to in the Indo-Pacific region rather than being, you know, spending all of these resources in Afghanistan. But again, the counterpoint there is you can spend fewer resources in Afghanistan without totally withdrawing from Afghanistan. The last point I would say is, you know, there are rare earth uh, minerals in Afghanistan that are very highly valuable. And those are, of course, now, um, if the Chinese want them and that they're going to cooperate with the Taliban, will probably just be all of China's, which obviously harms the United States in our great power competition with China. But, but the, again, sort of best case scenario, and this is something we should all be hoping for and praying for, is that, that these China folks, China analysts are right, and this kind of frees up the United States to, to focus more on China, and that the Chinese now will have their hands tied with counterterrorism. Um, in Afghanistan, I, I just have a hard time seeing that playing out as the way we want it to in reality. And it's hard to know how much damage the United States' reputation has been hit um, with our allies and partners. And this is something people say, oh, but Afghanistan's not nearly as valuable as like the democratic, you know, island nation of Taiwan. But I mean, we should keep in mind that the Chinese Communist Party has used this debacle to tell, to, to telegraph to the Taiwanese, look, the Americans are not going to stick around and help you. And they're, they're not going to help you. They're not going to commit it. You're on your own. Um, and of course, we hope that that's not something that they would take, that instead the lesson that they would take is we need to be, we need to double our defense budget. We need to demonstrate to the Americans and um, the West that we are going to defend ourselves, that we are going to be a reliable partner in a fight to protect us in the event that the Chinese government does decide to act aggressively against Taiwan and try to, to overcome Taiwan like they have with Hong Kong and bring it into the Chinese mainland, which would be a horrible geopolitical disaster for the United States to lose Taiwan to China. So that's sort of a, um, a mixed result of what we're what we're hoping for versus what I think is probably going to happen. But I, like I said, I'm going to keep an open mind and, and always hoping for the best. But we are going to take a major hit, I think, geopolitically, just with our allies and partners from the way the Biden administration carried this out. It's going to take some serious regrouping. And I don't see the focus getting back over to China now until we feel like we have our legs underneath us again. And after Afghanistan, and I just, I, I just don't think that we're anywhere near sort of the end of the initial even fallout from, from this withdrawal. And we're probably going to see continued disastrous things in the news for weeks and months. And um, just hoping that the Taliban doesn't do anything to on September 11th to show that they've defeated the Americans in the West. Um, um, you know, I just I. I think a terrible thing that could possibly happen is the Taliban tries to commemorate it in a way that um, results in the loss of life of some of our civs who are still in country um, or citizens. And um, obviously Christians are at great risk there um, of the Taliban and, and there's just thousands and thousands of them still in country.
you know, looking at this entire situation, abandoning Bagram looks like one of the great military blunders, at least of my lifetime. And uh, it is because, yeah, it doesn't, I don't know how many troops we would have needed to secure it, but it seems like it would have been much cheaper. And to do that and support the troops who were there and were fighting, especially the Afghan special forces. My understanding is right now that the British may be incorporating some of those former commandos into their military because they were so good, whereas like a lot of the other Afghan military wasn't quite of the same caliber. But I would agree, like Bagram Air Base seems to me like a strategic mistake to leave it. A strategic mistake. And again, it wasn't, you could have, you know, again, you have to speak to the American people. You have to talk to the American people. You have, political leaders have to respond to what they're saying. And they have to be able to communicate effectively to what our, our mission is and our goals there and what we're trying to do. There was a, there's been a mismatch there for at least a decade in terms of what the United States mission is there and, and what we're doing there. I mean, we're still conducting counterterrorism in the whole continent of Africa. And it's a great bang for our buck um, in terms of what we're doing to, to help def- help support those fragile governments or, that are there um, in, a, in, a, in several a- um, African countries to continue to conduct counterterrorism. And mainly, you know, our special operators are there doing that work. And but so are the French are very effective in doing this kind of activity in, in African countries. I mean, we have troop, small troop presence, of course, in other Middle Eastern countries that are um, holding the line and, and destroying terrorism cells and um, supporting these fragile governments. And, um, you know, and the stomach for that kind of thing, when they're not seeing high casualties and when they know that they're killing terrorists, I mean, I remind people, the same people who didn't want the forever wars, sort of the, the, the Trump base who the sort of populist, which by the way, it's not just on the right, it's on the left too, who were tired of these so-called forever wars, they were very supportive and enthusiastic when Donald Trump authorized the Baghdadi kill and the Soleimani kill. So these folks, it's not pacifism. It's not an unwillingness to use military force to protect the American people. It's this frustration with using our military to do things that it's not best suited to do, which is, you know, try to to set up these, um, you know, a a self-sufficient Democrat, you know, democracy in Afghanistan based on Sharia law. There's, you know, the the constitution that we handed them after we went in after 9-11 still had, was still based on Sharia law. And um, the women did fared much better um, under this sort of uh, situation pre-Taliban. I mean, the Taliban is just horrible to women. The women still, you know, I think that there's a Again, an idealistic view that a lot of Americans had with how well women fared uh, under the the Afghan democracy regime that that the United States was helping to support. Again, it was relatively better, of course, than the Taliban. But man, I mean, they still had a lot of of very, very serious cultural problems that were very bad for for minority religions and, and for women and children. Um, and so that's where the frustration was. That's where the frustration was. But when, when the military gets back to what it's very, very good at, which is being a highly lethal, um, force that, that takes out the enemy and supports our partners and allies by giving them direction and close air support and all of those things, you know, that the American people, I think are, are much more inclined to support that kind of more realistic mission that has 
that does good for the Afghan people, but has a direct connection to American security and the security of the American people. And to close this out, my final question here is, you know, after major foreign policy events, Americans tried to draw lessons such as after the World Wars, Vietnam, the Good Friday Agreement, and so on. Are there any lessons from Afghanistan or is this a unique situation and uh, that applying lessons from it might cause other problems in other parts of the world? I mean, gosh, I think there are all kinds of lessons here. Um, one, that you should not let simply polls drive such very serious decisions that we've got to be constantly interrogating our assumptions about what we know about our enemy, that we can't allow for um, these just, you know, these projection of what we, what Americans think all people are like and thinking that everybody agrees with us on, 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 on sort of their interests and our interests. Um, I think, I think that you're going to, this is going to be a giant reminder to the American people that we are still at war with Islamist militants who believe that Allah is on their side and, and it's their responsibility and duty to convert or kill Christians and in, in the West. Um, and that, you know, even though we want to, our, our major existential threat is, does come from China. China, more than any other country, has the will and the ability to supplant the United States in the U.S.-led order that we've had since the Second World War. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't have all these other problems that are persistent. So, um, yes, there's lots of lessons learned. I don't think that this current administration is ready to hear them. I, again, I think that the more idealistic um, you have of, of people in governance, the more blunders you're going to have. And this idea too that 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 um, that you can kind of solve some of these problems with more diplomacy and, and less hard power. I mean, that's a that's a terrible error in analysis. Hard power bolsters diplomacy, and you can't you can't have successful diplomacy without the real credible threat of military force. Our, again, our, our allies and partners, they, they will cooperate and follow and work with the United States when we, when we demonstrate clear leadership and resolve and, um, and demonstrate that we are dependable. And everything gets turned around and backwards when the United States fails on that front. So lots of lessons to be learned that I hope will be applied, although I am not very optimistic that we're going to have those lessons learned or applied in the aftermath of this, at least not 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 immediately, but but hopefully um, in the years to come, when we can elect leaders who who take again something that that your listeners will appreciate that that is both consistent with what the United States stands for and values, um, and also is realistic. This idea of moral realism, Christian realism, you know uh, when. A weakness is provocative, and it's demonstrated here that weakness and indecisiveness and politically motivated geopolitical decisions are also lethal and have real-world consequences of which we're going to feel for years to come. Well, Rebecca, thanks for joining us on the Profcast today. Really appreciate your uh, insights on this topic. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the work that Providence is doing to keep everybody informed on this ongoing um, situation. So thanks so much for having me. 
Thank you. And for listeners, be sure to visit the website at ProvidenceMag.com. We'll have a lot of our resources on this situation. We have a, for every podcast, we have a you know, show notes with a transcript that we try to put out as soon as we can, but we'll have links to all the other articles that we have published in the past week on the topic.